Welcome back to Be Right, presented by the USGA. I'm Alex Myers. I'm joined by Stephen Hennessy, Christopher Powers. Guys, we've got uh, a great guest today. First of all, Ben Coley. I know we've we've all been following him for years. He's he's kind of a European tour guru expert. We'll we'll, we'll get how to uh, pronounce Christian Bezadenhout's name right cor- correctly, uh, at least from Ben. Or that actually sounded pretty good. So we'll see. Um, first off. Before we get into this week's action, we've got the Mayakoba Golf Classic, which is actually the final official PGA Tour event of 2020. It's been a weird year, uh, but it's the final official event. We've got some European Tour, a double header on the European Tour. Um, and But first off, we got to talk with, first last night, Monday Night Football, just gambling in general. I got to say, I, I know, Chris, you joke about retiring from gambling every week, but that's because you've had a bad week. Um, I actually might retire this time because I hit on Eagles plus six and a half, the craziest hit in history, Hail Mary, which by the way, Wentz, it was like the weakest Hail Mary I've ever even seen. He just kind of floated it up there, tipped around, caught by the tight end. Then they go for two. I thought inexplicably, I guess the numbers, I know Chris is going to roll his eyes. The numbers say maybe you do go for two there. Either way, they end up covering the six and a half. Absolutely, despite getting just, thoroughly beaten that entire game um i might retire and then uh, back-to-back nights i hit the i won't say who it was because i got yelled at on twitter thought we had a 24-hour rule here uh but i hit the murderer in uh the undoing made some money there nice 60 i was wondering hit. what you were talking about when you said that yeah, i was like i had no you idea on that? you guys don't watch the undoing no i do yeah oh okay I so know, i won't blow it for you my brother, my brother worked on it, so we've been all in since. Uh, no way! Yeah, yeah. So have, you, have you guys all watched the finale? I did. Yes, yeah, I'm a couple episodes. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm glad I didn't don't say anything. Spoil it. Uh, I will not spoil it. No, no, you can't bet on it. I don't think, but I have an idiot friend. Okay. Who threw out a tweet the other day with percentages of all the people, and the guy, sorry, the person, and the thing. I'll just say the thing that, that I thought was going to happen. Um, he had his only 6% chance. And I said, you're crazy. So I mean, they did an incredible, incredible job of diverting your attention to every other character and people who were disappointed with the ending. I think that, um, you know, that was kind of the point that, uh, I I don't want to ruin it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. uh, I, but yeah, I I, I wasn't that, I wasn't that disappointed with it. And I was one of the, I was like, I think it's every other person Right. And then when we found out who it was, I was like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, 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 that's who right, it was. Right, right. <laughs> well, I actually bet on it. And as soon as I did, I started talking myself, you know, with my wife. She's like, ah, yeah, you're wrong, you're wrong. Well, and I started to second guess myself. But as soon as it was revealed, I'm like fist pumping. And she's like, did you bet on this? I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's I'm amazing like, how it kind of like, I feel like, um, you know, it's been for six weeks. And it really, I really don't remember seeing anyone talk about it up until this week i feel like everyone just started talking about it and you know i'm not surprised steve was late to it uh because he's a sheep so uh (laughs) that makes sense so i guess like in the last two weeks people started talking about it and watching it i was on it from night one i'm sure myers well your brother friggin worked on it what do you mean i'm late to it your brother worked on it of course all the the sheep are talking about on social media so everyone should have told us cp yeah i know I, i figured it wasn't like a big deal i was on it from i think week two because i remember watching two to get caught up which was actually it's actually better because 
the week to week thing is like archaic now. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I know, I know it's terrible. Wait. It's funny. I, we knew about this. Obviously my brother worked on it. Like, I feel like it's two years ago now hmm. because of the pandemic and because of, they got like, you know, what, uh, the house on like Long Island that they were at their beach house. Yeah. 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 They got like shut down because the people didn't want them there, like the town. So there was all kinds of, so wow. this show has been like two years in the making. My brother's been talking about it. So when it came out, we were like, Gotcha. finally like we're, we have to watch this so well the cast is great the story's great yeah i mean hugh grant and nicole kidman i mean it's pretty pretty i tough. didn't i was never a hugh grant guy but he's oh my god are you serious good. you're too young you're too yeah. young CP, because when i was in like his big he was like 94 95 so i was like 12 13 and i was allowed to watch those movies he was a superstar nine months yeah. is a legendary movie i mean he's hilarious he was like a superstar and then of course he had his transgressions he and another there. guy i'm like on now jude law is like was oh yeah never on him. Was, i yep. watched the uh mr ripley a couple yep. months ago yep. and then i watched that weird show on hbo that was really good the third day if people haven't watched that super super weird but uh yeah i'm sure steve's rolling his eyes that this is what we're talking about right now but yeah <laughs> five well, minutes back, into the back, pod we're talking just, about shows yeah. on hugh grant though i'm all in i'm all in on the party on them i'm sure he's a to total ledge um but okay all right well back to gambling uh because sutherland unbelievable by the way but I'll, oh I'll, yeah he's great too yeah yeah i know the cast is is amazing yeah. um back to gambling unfortunately uh i'm in a survivor pool with cp and steve <laughs> they were out early but cp's mom hung around gamely for many Brutal. many weeks she outplayed me thoroughly on many she weeks. She was the only woman impressed. left. Yeah, very impressed. But she finally went down this week thanks to the Rams, which if I had had the Rams, 100% would have done that because I hate taking teams on the road. I had to take the Giants, yeah. which seemed crazy. They, it was either Giants or Browns. They both ended up winning by two. So I, I put I, our boy uh, Patrick Everson at Covers.com uh, helped me out. He put out a – a poll. I, I thought everybody would say Browns. It was sixty percent to forty percent Giants. I you went had with that. Seven hundred people helping you out. Yeah, I, I might have Crazy. to do it again this week because it, it honestly changed my mind. Again, I would have had Browns. They would have won. Although the Browns almost blew it. The Jags had a, a two point conversion. Uh, the Giants almost blew it. I mean, the the yeah. Bengals had the ball at midfield. I would have gone nuts there if they blew that game. But um, anyway, congrats on a good run to uh, to Trish Great Powell. Run. But uh, I'm in the final four. So final four, it's going to get uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Although I, I, I want to get rid of this cash. So I hope somebody I, wins soon. All I have to say is it's, it's, I got to, I have the Seahawks still and they're playing the Giants, the Jets, and the Skins the next three weeks. Wow. So I got to use that wisely. That's my big, They seem uh, very beatable too, which, very is, beatable. which is scary. Yeah, but Giants with Colt McCoy. I, we, sorry, Steve, we can't talk about the Giants with this guy. You, because, you, yeah. you guys can talk about the Giants. They're in first place. I prefer not to. Yeah, first place in, the, uh, in December. They have no chance with Colt starting this week. So I might, I might have to burn the Seahawks this week. Um, what else should we talk about? Oh yeah. The golf tournament. Oh no, there was no golf tournament. So that's why we had a, that's why we're talking about all this other stuff. There was the match, which I know we previewed. I think we all, and that's everybody underestimated Charles Barkley because he came out there. He did not have a hitch in his swing. Had we known that was going to be the case, I think we all would have thought a little differently. I mean, you did have one pro golfer against non-pro golfers out there and, and everybody's ragging on Curry. And I hate that because 
he had a bad day. I mean, even Dustin Johnson couldn't break 80, uh, what, at the Memorial this year. So, you know, Steph Curry had a bad day. He's, he's, he's still plus one handicap. We've seen him do it in a Corn Ferry Tour event. He's, he's a great yeah. player. So, unfortunately, he had a bad day. Uh, he put himself out there. Props to him for doing that. Same with all those guys. But what did you guys think about it? I mean, we nailed it in the preview. Barkley uh, hitting the first two fairways. Yes. So yes. made some good cash from that. Uh, yeah. Props to props to Phil kind of getting their strategy to work. They were up early and I mean, it was a little lame uh, the last nine holes because it was such a such a blowout. But it was entertaining because you had, you know, Shaq coming out of the telecast and talking smack to Barkley that was like the highlight um <laughs> yeah. yeah the live betting like we said in the preview show is is where where to make your money with those and once Barkley started struggling um you know then you could have made some money going back because the odds makers adjusted it and he was like minus 110 to hit a couple fairways after they saw him you know swinging swinging decent so um you know you, you could be sharp as a golfer uh, watching these matches and adjusting on the fly. Yeah, I did make a little bit uh, just betting Phil and Barkley to win certain holes. They were like plus 200 and uh, one of the par fives, I think I bet that they won pretty easily. I totally outsmarted myself. I remember when we first started talking about this, it was Phil was the easy bet and all the sharp people were saying that bet the professional golfer. And then at the last second, I, I, figured you know what's what's the catch here why are they such a big underdog and then it's i think the everyone got fooled by the format that i think we all thought it was going to be a pinehurst which yeah. is you hit yes i guess it really wouldn't have made a difference but whatever um, well no it would have because we were thinking if you have to take if you take phil's tee shot then barkley has, has to, to hit play, you know what i mean i mean we yeah we thought barkley was going to have to be more involved right. and we also did not know how much of an advantage those tees were going to be. And they ended up being like yeah. a pretty sick, because he could hit iron off, especially with those fairway bets. That would have, that, that format would have taken forever too. So that makes sense that they, yes. that they yeah. didn't do that. So yeah, exactly. yeah, I mean, just completely, it just shows where my brain is right now. Kevin Kisner losing has sent me into a complete tailspin <laughs> and, yes. um, I, I never learn, uh, you know, when uh, it always happens when you get close to like winning a big one and you like have the money in your hand yeah. and then it loses, then I like try and get it all back with like, you know, yep. five team parlays and upping the bet to make it a bigger bet to, to win it yeah. all back. And yes. every year I say yeah. I'm going to learn and, and I never do. So I have to do another, this is going to be a two week retirement, I think. And then, uh, you know, maybe for the NFL playoffs, I'll, I'll re up. It's Christmas. I need to say, I, I need to save some of this money to buy gifts. So I can't be, uh, <laughs> I can't be doing what I did this past weekend. I'm not going to say what I did, but it, it was some dark, some dark times on Sunday, uh, Sunday evening. Yeah. We've all been there. Uh, but yes. you, you hopefully learn from your lesson and, you know, stay disciplined. That's, that's the way to make money in the long term. Myers, Myers has it. Correct. When you win like you did on the Seahawks last night, that's when you retire, not you retire. after you lose like that and then try and get it all back and then retire. But again, I remember last year covering on uh, that Jets Pats game. Remember that <laughs> game? Pats just dominated the Jets the whole game, but then the Jets got like a couple of defense. Pick, they had like an interception return yeah, and exactly. covered and like the 21. I said, I said, that's it. I'm walking away. And I actually, I didn't make another NFL bet the rest of the year. So I did. So I might at least get off the NFL for the rest of the year, maybe a little DFS, something like that. But man, you cannot top 
that ridiculous cover. So very lucky, very lucky. Public was right. The public was on the right side and they got yeah. completely screwed by oh, Doug Peterson and, and his dumb, I'm smart antics. Yep. And Vegas wins again, as always. They're there. They've officially caught up. The Dude. unders, the under reckoning has come. Under reckoning. In every spread. This is the time to, to get yep. out while you can. Favorites getting hosed left and yep. right. So, um, yeah. Uh, all right, Steve, before we get into the Mayakoba Golf Classic and our guest, Ben Coley, let's get hear a word from our sponsors, the USGA. Yes, this week's episode is sponsored by the USGA and the sweepstakes they've put together, which we're pumped to be a part of. We've told you about the last couple of weeks, USGA taking the historic U.S. Open championship trophy on the road, traveling across the country to some of the U.S. Open's most historic courses. Follow all the travels of golf nomad Matt Cardis, who you could follow at Golf In Your State on Instagram to document the trophy's journeys from Wingfoot, where he started, to Torrey Pines, host of the 2021 U.S. Open as he's visited some of the nation's most historic, iconic courses that have hosted U.S. Opens. We have a special opportunity for you to be able to play one of those special U.S. Open venues that Matt visited on his trip with the sweepstakes. Everybody should enter. So you're going to have a chance to play one of these eight special U.S. Open venues. Wingfoot, Oakmont, Pinehurst, Aaron Hills, Cherry Hills, Olympic Club, Pebble Beach, Torrey Pines. So head to the website the USGA has put together usopen.com slash trophy tour for more details and information on how to enter there. Very simple. You go through the steps, enter all your information, and there's instructions on how to enter. And you'll be entered to play one of those historic US Open venues. There's some great footage there. Our Hallie Ledbetter had a chance to meet up with Matt along the way. They played Torrey Pines together, again, side of the 2021 US Open. Very entertaining as Matt recaps his trip. And uh, you should definitely go follow Matt on Instagram. He's a great follow. He play some great courses around the country. But again, we're, we're excited for the USGA promotion. Go to usopen.com slash trophy tour for more information, how to enter contest ends uh, mid December, December 18th. So make sure to go there now for your chance to enter, to play one of those historic courses. All right. Very good. Um, speaking of, uh, well, now we have our, our guest, Ben Coley has arrived. Nice to see you, Ben. Thanks for hopping on today. Thank you for thank you for having me. Yeah, Career goal kicked off. Yeah, you're and you're coming from uh from England, right? Yeah, the the bleak north of England. Yeah, <laughs> nice and cold here today. Right. Well, it's not much better where we are. That's for sure. It's uh, <laughs> bleak, and we've had we had a terrible storm yesterday. So, hope everybody's house, by the way, made it through that storm. Right? See, guys. All right, good. Amazing, amazing uh, that it did. Yeah. Uh, all right, Steve, let's kick us off with, with a little about the course down there um, that they, they will be playing the Mayakoba, and then we'll get into some stats we're looking at for this week. Yeah, Mayakoba Classic. Uh, this is the old OHL. So um, this tournament's ran since 2007, back when Fred Funk won it. Uh, and man, there's some short hitters who have won this. Uh, Mark Wilson, Brian Gay, Matt Kuchar, and of course, last year, Brennan Todd, as part of his uh, his hot run there at the end of the year, he's back here defending. He's not playing so great, but we know he's been going through a little bit of a foot injury. So it'll be interesting to see if you know we think he's going to do decent this week. But um, this is, yeah, at Mayakoba Resort. Uh, it's a Greg Norman course and just under 7,100 yards. Uh, the putting surface is interesting this week. It's past Palum grass, which is only used on a couple of courses on tour, uh, Corrales, Punta Cana, which we saw a couple weeks ago, and Puerto Rico, uh, Cocoa Beach. 
which Victor Hovland was in the field. He, uh, he won there earlier this year. So perhaps he's an interesting name, uh, name to track. We'll talk about him a bit, but uh, as our Rick Gaiman um, noted at rickrungood.com and in our DFS column on golfdigest.com, accuracy, he thinks, is uh, important here uh, more so than any stat. According to his data, accuracy, um, this course notes accuracy, the fifth most important stat on tour relative to other courses on tour. Um, you know, we don't have shot length data this week, which is unfortunate, but you know, that's kind of typical outside of the continental U S. So, um, you know, you're going to have to kind of go off of some, uh, some past history here, which there's a decent amount of, uh, some recent form, you know, we have a decent field here. I think five of the top 25 in the world. Um, you know, some guys who played well at the masters, you got Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Abe answer, who's, you know, in his home country of Mexico and, uh, looks pretty chalky. I mean, him and, uh, Russell Henley are going to be pretty chalky this week. So, um, you know, you got to decide what to do up there. And people are also making the Sony open comparison, which I think is a little interesting and we'll see what, what Ben thinks about that. But to me, you know, Wiley is a course with a lot of rough traditionally, and this is more of a resort course where accuracy is important, but you know, the rough isn't as long traditionally. So, um, you know, you do see some correlation between leaderboards. I know Pat and Kazire is, is one of both courses and, you know, that's CP's guy. We'll see if he's back on him after the disappointment at RSM. But, uh, you know, I think you do have to emphasize accuracy, definitely wedge play and a hot putter. That's what we've seen do it here in the past. So that's what I'm looking at. Uh, ben, how about you? What, what are you kind of using as your uh, big stats for the week? Yeah, similar really. Um, like you say, without shot link, all of a sudden it feels like we're blind, doesn't it? And yet you go back three or four years and, and these are the stats we had to deal with, right? On a week to week basis. So we'll, we'll have to do so again. Um, you look at the, for me, it's more like the, the type of player who's won here. You, you could kind of put most of these guys in the same bracket. I know patterns wild off the tee, but the rest of them really are, are really accurate. Brendan Todd, Matt Kucha, Pat Perez, uh, Graham McDowell. Um, and if he hadn't won, it would have been Russell Knox. Um, Harris English, Charlie Hoffman, you know, they generally put well, probably Hoffman, the exception there. Um, and I have to admit, they're the things I don't like to lean on, you know, week to week driving accuracy um, isn't a big deal. And and I don't like to worry too much about putting because it's probably more, there's more fluctuation there than there is um, in the long game. So it, there's a bit of apprehension there, but I think really I'm looking at those courses and, and Sony is one of them. Uh, Southwind, Colonial, Heritage, anything by the sea, anything shorter, more technical. Um, as you say, you know, scoring is quite low here and it is a resort course, but there's still some big numbers to be had if you do uh, spray it all over the place off the tee. So basically anywhere that Brian Gay has played well in the past is is kind of a formula for me. And and that's um, that's what I've used to thread all of my selections together, I guess. All right. Well, Brian Gay is in the field, but let's start at kind of the top here. Uh, Steve, you mentioned some of the big names. It's definitely the best field they've ever had um, at this event. It could have been even better. Dustin Johnson ended up pulling out because he's, you know, on a little bit of a, a party, post-Masters uh, party. But um, we have Justin Thomas. These are odds uh, courtesy of DraftKings. Justin Thomas, uh, plus 650. Brooks Kepka 1,200. Harris English, plus 1,600. Tony Finau, plus 1,800. Uh, Abraham Anser, plus 2000, uh, Daniel Berger and Russell Henley at plus 2200. So those, this had seven names I gave you. Um, is there anybody jumping out? Are we liking 
kind of a, you know, a, a low odds guy here, or are we looking further down the board? Normally I would, uh, I would argue against the top of the board, like I do every week, but it's very difficult to do that this week with Thomas playing so well. He's got four top eights in his last five starts. Uh, he gained, he's gained 5.6 strokes or more T to green in four of his last five starts too. Uh, plus 650 is short, but he's the best player in this field. He's, you know, we just saw his quotes. I think Joel's going to do a post on, he thinks he can win 10 or 11 times in a season. That's an insane number, <laughs> but he can, he's capable of winning four or five times in a season for sure. And he's come so close over the last few months. So I have no argument yeah. against him and same with Kepka. Kepka, who, uh, you know, has got back from injury and kind of started to play well again, putting well again, gained 6.4 strokes putting in Houston. Uh, this is his first time playing at this course since 2013. So not much history to go off of, but I, I really don't have any argument against JT or Brooks. They're the class of the field, obviously. And then you look at a guy like English, that's, that's a short number, 16 to one for Harris English, but he's absolutely earned it over these last few months. So no argument for me against those top guys. And usually I hate betting guys at, at the top of the board. Yeah. Christopher's been calling me a sheep all week and yet he's backing JT at six and a half. I'm not backing anyone. I'm saying I don't have an argument against them. Uh, well, uh. the value I would say is an argument against him specifically sure. only played here once. Um, you know, you got to question a little of the motivation. I would think, you know, he says he could win 12, times a season but all these guys have to believe that and they have to say that and you know he's actually had a similar quote in the past um so six and a half to one uh i'm you know you, you can't back that this is such a such a strong field um and like ben said there's some value further down the board kepka two, 12 to one you know they both had top tens at the masters but um you know i'm more intrigued by some of the guys further down i think english is the first guy that i that I look at, uh, you know, based on, you know, he had that great Sunday 63 at the RSM and, you know, uh, really teased Christopher and I, you know, he was our, our outright bet there at the RSM and just came up short because the Saturday was, uh, you know, over par. It's like the only one in the top 20 over par. Um, I, for that reason, for that, that little inconsistency there, I'm a little hesitant to pull the trigger at 16 to one. He's been playing so well the last two months. But, um, you know, I, I'm just looking a little further down. I, I, it's tough to talk me out of Abe answer. Uh, that number's dropped even the last day or so. Uh, at DraftKings, he was 22 to 1 last night. I locked in a, a pretty big bet there. So maybe that moved the number. Probably not my, my little uh, three-unit bet. But he's now 20 to 1. He, he has some great uh, course history here at the OHL um, in the past. So, you know, we saw him play in the final group at the Masters, you know, played poorly, obviously struggled that day. But, um, you know, we're, we've been waiting for him to get his first win on the PJ Tour or the European Tour. And, you know, this just seems like a, a great fit. Uh, he's someone who accuracy is his strength. You know, he's not a long hitter at all. He's bottom 50 on tour and in distance. And, you know, that's not going to really be, a, you know, a hurting factor this week. So I think, you know, if there's a chance for him to get that first PGA tour win, it's this week. So he's the name that, that I'm most excited about. How about you, Ben? I, I think you might be on someone a little farther down the board. There are a few. Uh, yeah. As ever, but the one, the one from the very top is, um, is Daniel Burgo. I, I think, you look at those courses we mentioned um, 
and Berger of, of the elite players, which is where he belongs now. He's kind of similar to Harris, I guess. You know, um, if he had any concern, it might be what they do off the tee, although last year Berger did everything well. Um, but he's generally pretty accurate off the tee. He, he then he goes to work. You know, he's a great iron player and he, he's a fabulous putter as well. And I think Southwind is a, is a good likeness here. Um, obviously, he's won there twice and he was runner up there again back in uh, August. And and his win at Colonial as well. I, I think it played a bit different this year and, and a bit tougher. And, and the rough was certainly thicker, but generally Colonial corresponds quite well with this as well. And although he's not been since 2014, that was his rookie year. I think it was his fifth event on tour. And he did share the first round lead. Um, obviously, he struggled in rounds two and three and then finished strongly as well. Um, I, I think there's a good reason he's back. I think this does fit nicely. And I think as well, he must have been watching the Masters thinking I should be there, right? Um, and I think that that sort of thing, at the end of a long, hard season, um, well, I don't know if you'd call it long, I suppose, with three months off, but it's certainly been hectic for the best players since June. I think anything that can give you that little extra extra incentive, extra reason to turn up and, and apply yourself and prepare properly and all those things, I think um, it would suit him. He likes playing in Mexico, says it reminds him of Florida. So yeah, of the ones at the very top, I thought he was the most interesting Um but as as you both alluded to, it it's a very strong top of the board, which at the Mayakoba is is rare. Yeah, uh, getting out into the the next wave of guys, I know Chris is going to be happy to hear this, uh, Ben. But you you like Ricky Fowler this week, I see. Yeah, I am big and and like anyone who thinks I talk nonsense will use this as fuel for for that opinion. But <laughs> I, I do like, like I said, the motivational factors. He, he's got to play well else he's going to fall out of the top 50 or at least there's a risk that he will. There are some guys in action. Matt Wallace is a great example, right? By the time Ricky Fowler tees off on Sunday, and let's hope he is teeing off on Sunday, um, if Matt Wallace has gone and won in, in Dubai, which he, you know is one of the favorites, then then Ricky will know that um, his master's invite is, is at least going to be delayed. And look, we'd all probably expect him to get his act together and, and earn it in the spring anyway. Um, but there's definitely some pride at stake. You know, he wants to remain one of the, the game's elite. Um, he's not been at that level since since leaving uh, the Harmons. And I, I just think there's been enough lately, right? He He's not played to his potential, which is why he's 30 to one. Um, but there have been some signs lately. And as I say, if you're looking for those small factors, we've got the world rankings and the master's invite. If he plays well this week, he gets his invite. Uh, and the other thing, like it's, it's the course. He's been second and 16th in his two starts. He's played well every single round here. Um, I think there are some worries that he's not currently capable of stringing four rounds together. He certainly hasn't done for a while, but um, it's one of those, you, you are compensated by the price. If he was at his best, he'd be he'd be probably just behind Brooks here. So um, I, I'm happy to take the risk. Yeah, but it is a risk. No doubt about that. Yeah, yeah I, I made a note about him that the motivations there, like he said, course history is there the game is just not there but like you said there are some some flashes and there's got to be some kind of inner monologue with him right now like you know i got to get it together soon like you said or else you know ricky fowler not playing in the masters would be pretty shocking in 2021 so at some point there's got to be a back against the wall mentality here for ricky if he if he has that mentality (laughs) Yeah. And you guys are mentioning, obviously, getting to the top 50 in the official world golf ranking by the end of the year. Of course, this isn't the exact end of the year, but obviously we're expecting this is probably the last time Ricky Fowler tees it up. So uh, his last gasp uh, to to do that, to share that up, there's other guys who are going to be on the border trying to get in as well. Um, All right. So Ricky is at 28 to one going a little further down. Corey Connors, 35 to one. Joaquin Neiman, 35 to one. Will Zalatoris, who we've seen in some of these uh, fall events, be the favorite, even though, you know, he's technically still a Corn Ferry 
tour guy. Well, I guess he's gotten the, the enough for the, the special PGA tour membership, but we've seen him be a favorite. He's kind of been bumped down obviously because you do have a few of those big names at the top. He's 35 to one, Billy Horschel, 45, Charles Howell, 45, and then three guys at 50, uh, Emiliano Grillo, Brian Harmon and Carlos Ortiz fresh off a recent win all at 50. Um, I guess in that next layer, um, who's jumping out at anybody? Well, just to go back up, we didn't really talk about Victor Hovland. He's 25. Oh, I missed Hovland, right, because of foul. Sorry, he's 25 to 1. Victor yeah, Hovland. I, I like Hovland. Um, he's quietly racked up top 15 finishes for in his past five starts. That's, you know, that's sort of consistency you want to see. He's definitely trending up here at the end of the year. You know, you don't think of him as having such a great 2020, but um, look at his short game, which has been his uh, bugaboo, you know, through his young career. And this is a, a small sample size, but per Rick Gaiman at, at rickrungood.com, Hovland has improved around the green by uh, more than a half a stroke per round uh, in the last 16 rounds. So that takes him, he was a bottom 50 player on tour, and that puts him up in, you know, top 50 player on tour status. So, um, you know, if he's hitting the ball as well as he typically does, and, you know, we know he likes his putting surface, he won at Puerto Rico earlier this year i think it's a decent chance for him to get another win here at the end of the year 25 to 1 is short but um you know i think he's coming in a little under the radar so i think i'm gonna back him uh i, I like i like him there i like Corey connors at 35 to 1 we've seen a return in his ball striking which was so good the last couple of years uh he struggled a bit after the restart but you know he's pouring it on a little bit uh you just worry about the putter but um you know we've seen him get hot before um I think he won, was it Valero in Texas Open right before the Masters mm -hmm. there to get, in, get into the Masters. So um, 35 to 1 isn't a great number, probably more of a DFS play for me. But if you could sum it that number, I, I do like him. And, and the last name, you mentioned Emiliano Grillo. Uh, he's been playing very consistently too. And uh, as Rick Gaiman points out in our DFS column, that's not really uh, – consistency isn't a, a word that you associate with Grillo um, usually. But – Look at his, uh, you know, his last 11 starts, he's made the cut in 10 of them. He has four top 25s and his uh, four trips at Mayakoba. He has a T9, a T10, a 15th place finish. So, um, you know, again, a little risky just traditionally with Grio, especially DFS, but 50 to one outright. Um, and with the consistency, I'd consider playing him in DFS. So those are my names in that range. How about you, Ben? Who do you like in this uh, mid-tier? I do like Connors um, quite a lot, actually. I think there's a, I can't keep Greg Norman out of the news at the moment, but um, obviously he is the course designer of El Camaleon. He's also the designer of the course they're using in Dubai this week. And he also designs or designed uh, TPC San Antonio, the Oaks course there where mm. Corey won last April. And I sort of, when I, first you put those things together and you, you go and have a look and I wasn't really expecting to find anything because I don't think aesthetically they they have a lot in common um but I do remember John Hur when he won this back in 2011 or 13 whenever it was he went and finished second in the Valero and I think I think he was like seven over through eight and could have won otherwise and um, when Ben Curtis won um and then there were others I think Brennan Todd Matt Kucha Pat Perez, Graham McDowell, Charlie Hoffman, of course, has won at both. All of those guys have got a top six finish at the Valero and one here. And Pat and Kaziah hasn't played it yet. So um, if any of you have got his number, tell him to 
register for next April's edition because I think it could suit him. But um, yeah, so I do like Corey. Um, it'll depend whether he can make some parts. He's not played well here, but he was outside the top 250 in the world his previous starts. He's he's another one. If we're talking about the world rankings, he's never been in the world's top 50. I think he's 56 this week. So top 10, maybe top five. And, and he could make that jump and, and qualify for all. I've, I beg your pardon, he's already qualified for Augusta in the spring because he was 10th. But um, you get the point, you know, it's the entry into all the big events and I'm sure it's a career target of his. Um, The other one who comes in at about 50 over here is Mark Leishman. And I guess as with Fowler, there's some definite risk here and it's how much stock you place in what he did at Augusta, um, Mm -hmm. where obviously he's he's played well there in the past. And, um, you know, I I wouldn't want to get carried away with it. But I again, I started looking and I, I read his, press conference and Leash is a fairly honest guy. You know, he, he tends to tell it like it is. He was happy enough to say he was playing horribly two months ago. Um, he said at Augusta, this is the best I've hit the ball for a long time. So mm. um, I thought that was interesting. And and you look at those courses that we, we maybe tie in. Sony's got a great record there, but the, the, the really interesting one is, is Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, the same past Palam Greens. Um, he won there um, a couple of years ago and he's got a great record at the end of the year. I don't know why um, a part of it will be that he goes home to Australia and plays in the Aussie PGA where, you know, if he just turns up, he'll finish 10th. But he also went over to, Europe, well, I say Europe, um, South Africa and won the Nedbank Challenge back in 2015. That was his final start of the year. So he's got some previous there and, and we know he's a class act, right? So um, I don't mind risking players of his caliber at 50 to one. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, we we're big leash guys. Uh, where was that Bay Hill? I had the close call with him this year. Uh, but yeah, he, man, he'd really fallen off. It's tough, tough to see, but you're right. Masters was a good sign. Um, and those are encouraging comments. Um, all right. I guess let's get into the, the deeper, deeper guys now. And, and maybe this is where we throw out our, our spicy uh, nug of the week, Steve, our, our big, bold pick. You want to do that? Uh, let you go first. Sure. Um, yeah. Doug Gim is an interesting name. I think he got in, I think as a sponsor's invite late, um, he's 125 to one here at DraftKings Sportsbook. And I mean, he's someone, you know, a class player, a great amateur player. And now, um, you know, has had a couple, you know, very good starts in a row. I think he has four top 25s in his, in his last five starts in his young career. Um, I guess my spicy nug would be that Doug Gim contends and, you know, finishes top five. Uh, I think top 10 is an interesting bet. You can get 10 to one on your number there. So that's, that's good value. Uh, so Doug Gim, you know, I, I think could be a threat to win, uh, you know, if, if things fall right for him, but top 10 and top five, that top five, that is 22 to one. That's, mm. that's pretty spicy. So I like those two bets. I'll go. You guys are talking about putting being important here. So picking Keegan Bradley would, would probably be a, a very spicy take. He, <laughs> did you know that Keegan finished 15th at the RSM? while he lost almost five strokes putting. Um, that is pretty remarkable. Wow. Uh, so I'll go with Keegan. He's at 70 to one. He actually has two top 15s uh, in this event. So some decent history. There's, <clears throat> he can only go up on the greens, I think, or, you know, he could lose like seven strokes. That's possible too. But uh, I'll go with Keegan to win at 70 to one. It's a strong field. We know Keegan's, you know, can be a highly motivated player. So Keegan Bradley to win at 70 to one and maybe even gain strokes on the greens. That'll be my spicy take. You'll never know if he does as well. So I guess it takes away okay. the, the agony of watching him over three footers. You just have to hope when you see 
putting from on the green that it, it just says two two putts um <laughs> i i had a couple i i thought about kiradek afibanrat who's kind of fallen off the face of the earth but he was 11th in bermuda um but then he got covid um i i don't know how you know he, he's back so hopefully he's fine but um i don't want to really take much of a chance i know a couple of winners lately dj jb hansen have have been uh covid positive players so um it's obviously not insurmountable but um i'm gonna go with rafa cabrera bayo he's he's a really big price and um obviously over here it's probably easier to bet each way and we get paid out in the top eight but if if you're not able to do that maybe a top 20 um he made the cut in the masters only just he then played four good rounds at the rsm he was quite a long way down the field but um he's classy and he was top 10 for driving accuracy and greens at the rsm um I, I just think he's getting it back together. And, you know, it's not that long ago. He was one of the best players in Europe, really. There's a Spanish connection here, obviously, with the OHL thing. It's not really helped anyone in the past. I think Kiros had a chance here once, but um, uh, they could do with someone to cheer on. Um, and I think he'll play okay. I, I, he's probably not going to win, but for a top 20, I'll take Cabrera Bayo. Very nice. Uh, I, I'm not going to take to win, but, you, you know, uh, Alpha Barnrat is interesting down at 300 to 1, but also down at 300 to 1, Wesley Bryan who, uh, you know, we've seen him on, uh, obviously won at uh, the Heritage at Hilton Head. Uh, you know, the wind picks up. He's, he's a decent wind player. Uh, you know, not the longest hitter, but, but obviously a great iron player. So um, I, I, 300 to 1, A, I might take a little flyer on him, but, but B, more so uh, 20 to 1 top 10 bet. I, I'm going to pick, and I know I got in trouble the last time I made a top 10 pick with, with uh, Webb Simpson. I called it a lock said, bet whatever you want. Do not bet whatever you have on, on uh, Wesley Bryan. Okay. It's 20 to one. It's probably not going to happen, but I do like it. Um, and yeah, I don't want to hear about it from, from you people out there. I, I feel bad. I apologize for the Webb Simpson pick, but I'm back on a top 10 pick. Wesley Bryan will definitely finish in the top 10, but don't, don't, don't bet on it unless you definitely, uh, but maybe yeah. Definitely the baby. Exactly. Another uh, another one of my boys that kind of aligns with everything Ben and Steve were saying with, you know, course uh, correlation is Ali Schneiderjans is one seventy five to one. He's been playing well recently. Yep. He's my uh, my current addiction. So maybe a little flyer on Ali if anyone's interested in that. Wow, okay. maybe Christopher's coming out of retirement a bit. Ali Schneiderjans. That'd be oh, the yeah, that's a very cool retirement of all time. Like, yeah, j- just for all of our loyal listeners, I am not betting anything I'm saying right now because I'm I'm retired for two weeks. <laughs> you really are. Wow. I, I it's like it's like I, I have to. I have right. to. All or right. I'm gonna like get in trouble. No, no more eggs in the fridge, you know, the Christmas yeah, right, right. tree blank. The Christmas tree, it'll, the Christmas tree, there'll be no presents if they're gonna shut the lights off in your house <laughs> on your Christmas tree. Um all right. Well, maybe you could sprinkle a little on DFS. Maybe that doesn't count. Now, yeah. Steve, I'll let you you start here. We'll, we'll talk just a little DFS, maybe some of the guys we've already mentioned. Um, and then we'll kick it to Ben. I want to hear his takes on, on the Euro Tour, a rare uh, doubleheader over there this week. Yeah. Steve, you- um, yeah. So definitely go uh, go check out Rick Gaiman's column at golfdigest.com. But a lineup that I made actually consists of a lot of the guys that we've talked about here, including uh, Wes Bryant Myers at the bottom of the board, six, 600, you know, I, I think he's semi safe to make the cut. Um, he plays well at these resort courses uh, where wedge play and, and putting are important. So um, I think he's a decent value there at 6,600. And, you know, that affords you to spend up a little elsewhere. Uh, Doug Gim, a guy that I mentioned 7,400, again, this, this stretch of top 25s he's had, 
makes him semi-reliable, I think. Um, and another guy just above him at 7,800 I like is Adam Long. Um, we saw him play well at Corrales. Uh, you know, he's just taken a big step in class, I think, in terms of the type of player Adam Long is. He's contended a couple times, um, you know, has played well at uh, Mayakoba. So 7,800, I like him. I like Kazire. We talked about why Kazire is going to be you know, pretty chalky this week, but at 8,000, he played well at RSM, you know, has the, the, the course history here and the Sony correlation. Um, and then, you know, that allows you to spend up a little with two guys who I mentioned I liked already, uh, Victor Hovland, 9,700, Abe Answer, 9,900. So I think I'm, I'm trending toward fading the top. Um, you know, I, I remember this year at Sony, uh, Justin Thomas, he was the chalk. I was all over him. Um, you know, I played him in all my lineups. I think he was my one and done and he missed the cut. So it's not a foregone conclusion. You know, he, he contends and um, he even makes the cut, which we saw at Sony. So um, and that was, of course, he had won before he he's only played here once. So um, I, I think if you kind of go with a more balanced approach this week, there, there's some value uh, lower, lower on the board. How about you guys? Hovland's interesting. Just one thing I wanted to know, maybe I should have done this as my spicy take. Hovland's win started the pandemic. Maybe he wins this week and ends the pandemic. Victor Hovland. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm game for that. That's fine with me. <laughs> so let's go, Victor. Let's save. Victor's going to save the world. That's my second spicy take. I'm not doing DFS. I didn't do any DFS. You're out. Okay. Fire. All right. You're retired. All right. All right. We'll see. <laughs> um, all right, Ben. Let's let's take it. Uh, take a little trip uh, out. They're not really in. Europe. Well, I don't know. They're in Dubai and they're in South Africa still. What 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 are you focused on uh, this week? And I know it's a, it's kind of an exciting two run, uh, two week window here, obviously because the the finale will be next week on the European tour, the the race to Dubai. But they're already in Dubai, so they've kind of like raced part of the way to Dubai and then they like sprint to the finish the next week. I, I don't know what's the deal there. Something like that, yeah. And they're at um they're at the same the same venue. Really, they're at Jumeirah Golf Estates in Dubai. So uh, this is where they. They host the DP World Tour Championship every year, but they're on the fire course, which okay. is, um, you know, you take these things with a pinch of salt. It's supposed to be rugged and linksy. I, I don't know if rugged and linksy really come into the language in Dubai, but um, yeah, I'm not expecting to see North Berwick. But um, it definitely looks a bit different. If you read course reviews, um, they tend to err on the side of it being easier than the uh, the main course, the earth course, and the best players take the the earth course apart. You know, I, I think for an amateur, it's a scary course. There's a lot of water, a lot of carries. But for the Rory McIlroy's of this world, it's it's pretty easy. And that tends to be the thing in the Middle East. Unless the wind gets up, they're, they're pretty straightforward. I think it'll be really low scoring. And um, Bernd Wiesberger said that today as well. So, um, yeah, just watch for, for them going really low. Um, it's obviously quite difficult because we've not, we've not had a, a – tournament here um i do like thomas peters but this is probably just a personal obsession of mine anyway but um one of the things i i quite like is that um he's obviously been off you know he's, he's a relatively new dad and he's only played four or five times um since since golf returned um but his best effort of the lot was wales first week back and if you look at his record in abu dhabi which is the the start of the european tour year um he has i think four top sixes there he almost beat ricky fowler there back in 2017 i think it was um 
So he he definitely is a sore, and it's probably part to do with mindset, but he seems to really benefit from from having a few weeks away. So uh, all the guys at the top have been away for at least two, apart from Robert McIntyre, who played last week. Um, and I just think actually Peters is probably a bit fresher at the end of a, of a busy year. So I really like him. I like Romain Longasque, who's a player with massive potential. Um, he's been a winner already this summer. He, he plays a lot of golf out in Dubai. Um, and I think he'll go really well. And the one I, I kind of think is an interesting curveball is Hao Tong Lee. Um, mm. He's been really up and down lately. I think that's kind of him. If you look at his two wins in Europe, he's, he's won the China Open. He won that after a miss cut on his home course the week before. And then he won the Dubai Desert Classic where he took down Rory days after he missed the cut in Abu Dhabi. Um, so it kind of goes with his profile that he just springs up and causes a bit of a shock. Um, obviously that Dubai win against Rory might be relevant. He tends to play well in the Middle East and, and really, already, you know, he's played maybe 10, eight or 10 times since, since golf returned. He did lead the PGA famously. Um, he finished in the top 10 in Wales. He finished 14th in Scotland when he was on the wrong side of a four shot draw bias. So there's been some good stuff. It's just not been consistent, but um, he, he just loves playing in the Middle East. He was second to DJ in Saudi Arabia last year as well. So um, I take a flyer on him. He's one of the best players in the field at his best, right? And he's 80 to one. So um, I'm more than happy to take him. Do you want me to do South Africa as well as you want me to shut up? I'm happy to, to stand well, aside. I, no, you definitely throw out a pick or two there, but I was also going to, we were going to ask in general, just, you know, I think you mentioned on, on Twitter today, uh, you've been better with the Euro picks. And, and obviously we always look to you for the Euro picks. What, what about it uh, do you think has led you to better success doing that? I mean, is it, do you, are you just more, you know, in the, in there being over in England, you just, you have a better feel for it or, or do you think you'll, you'll come around with the PGA tour picks and, and how do you, who do you look to when you're making your picks uh, on the Euro tour? Yeah, I think luck's a big, part of it don't get me wrong i mean i give you an I, I give you an example mark warren won by a shot 150 to one in austria um in june um he could have you know if he bogeys the last hole he doesn't win etc sammy valamaki i had at 250 to one in march he won a playoff against brandon stone if you backed brandon stone you were absolutely robbed right um we've all been on the wrong end of those um but then in on the pga tour i, I had brooks kepka at southwind when it felt like not many people were prepared to take that chance and he blew it really, which is not, you don't expect from him. Right. Um, and it's just the way it goes. I had Kramer Hickok recently in Bermuda and, you know, 200 to one or something. And it just didn't happen on Sunday. So there's, there's a bit of luck involved both ways, like good and bad. Um, I do think in Europe, it's easier to envisage a guy like Mark Warren um, finding some form and, and, and being more comfortable than some of the other guys. And there's a lot of players in the European tour field who aren't ready or, you know, I did, there's a lot more pressure in some ways when they came back from the, the lockdown. There's guys who are, haven't earned a, a penny in three months and they've got no money. And suddenly they've got to come and play for even for a small purse. You know, it, it's it's significant. And Mark Warren probably just had that edge where he didn't need to worry so much. So in in short, I think it's easier to get an upset in Europe. And the, the I guess if I have a uh, uh, something I really struggle with, it's when you put JT, Kepka, DJ, Rory, John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay, Xander, and the rest of them in one field. Right. Like, who, whose week is it? I, you know, right. I, 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 it's really difficult. I went with JT and Rory at the Masters, and it was DJ's week. And, and I, I do struggle a little bit with that. Um, 
I also think basically fewer people know about these guys, right? Mm -hmm. um, nobody had heard of Sal Sammy Valamaki in January, and he's he's one of the best players in the European Tour at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. You don't tend to get those surprises in the States. We even if like a new guy comes along like Colin Morikawa, we we can find out very very quickly, and and you know there's a lot of talk about them. Um, over here, it's not so significant. I don't even think Rasmus Hoygaard, who's been brilliant. I don't really think there were that many people talking about him a year ago. Um, if that was in America, the whole world would, I mean, like it feels like a guy like Cole Hammer, right? Everyone yes. knows who Cole Hammer is like, what's he really done? Um, you know, I, I'm not having a go at him. I'm sure he'll, he'll turn out to be a fantastic player, but really he's not, he shouldn't really be on the radar, but he is. Um, <laughs> so that's it. And, and yeah, there are some, there are also like, I use a stats website called tourtips.com, which you pay a little bit of money for. Um, I think people probably struggle to find resources. You guys are lucky over there. You've got so many guys like Rick and the yeah. guys at Fantasy National and all There's so many good resources. So everyone's got every number they need. In Europe, you maybe have to be a bit more anecdotal. And I think that probably plays to my strengths. But obviously, after all that, I'm going to have a shocking 2021. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love it. Yeah. All right. Final. Uh... South South African open pick here from you. Yeah, so it's going to be fun this week. Sun City, um, I'm sure a lot of people have watched the Ned Bank Challenges there. It's a great golf course, a lot of fun. They've changed the nines. So the last hole is the ninth hole, which is a par five over it's to an island green. It's just a brilliant closing hole. Um, similar fun and games to, to last week at Leopard Creek. Um, it's fairly difficult tournament to to work out, but I do like Yus Lauten. I'm going to bore you with the motivational stuff again. He's made the DP World Tour final every year um, since 2010. He needs to pretty much win or, or go very close to, to do that this week. He's got a good record in South Africa. Um, I don't know if that's because he's Dutch. Um, it might be, but um, he's playing really well. He's just not putted well for a long time. I'm hoping he can turn that around. And one who's probably a bit more familiar to to the broader audience, not that I underestimate how many people know about you, Slouten, but um, Matthias Schwab, he's, you know, mm -hmm. he's probably the best maiden on the European tour now, now that Robert McIntyre's won. Um, him and Adrianaus, I guess, would probably be the, the best two. And Matthias is, is just hitting the ball really well. He's coming into form. And um, this is a, if you look at who wins the Ned Bank, Tommy Fleetwood, Lee Westwood won it a few times. Robert Allenby back in the day, absolute flushers win the Ned Bank. Um, and I think an absolute flusher will win this tournament. I'm hoping it might be Schwab. Love it. Going deep on the Euro Tour here. How do you pronounce Christian Bezaden Hout? Bezaden Hout. Badly. <laughs> right, I, 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 yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. Either. Okay, all right. We, we were hoping to get... All right, all right. Well, it'll, hopefully he'll become a household name as well. That's another one of our boy, uh, Chris's uh, favorite players. Um, all right, well, Ben, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks, thanks a lot. Uh, everybody check out his work on sportinglife.com. Uh, again, the Euro Tour stuff is incredible, as you just heard. The guy takes it deep. We loved having him on today. Uh, guys, fun as always. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks as always to our producer, Greg Godfrey. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. Check back next week to see if Chris has remained retired from gambling. Uh, I'll come out of retirement to uh, bet on like an 11-year-old. There you oh, go. The, the father's son, the TNC. <laughs> oh, yeah, the father, right, right, right. We'll be previewing the father's son, exactly. And also, go watch The Undoing if you haven't done so already, because I hate <laughs> being the person who ruined this with the spoiler. So go watch it. All right, see you next week. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>